by Riverside. Welcome to Garage Takes Season 3, Episode 4. Brant Week 0 is in the books. I want to get your thoughts on, just talk a little bit of Notre Dame. I want to talk a little USC as well, since I put them in my college football playoff prediction. And I uh, want to quickly talk Michigan State, too. Mel Tucker seems to keep finding his name in the news. And... Uh, of course, we've got to talk Michigan football and talk some best bets around college football as well this weekend. We got a full slate of college football, which I'm beyond excited about. So we will get into all of that tonight. Uh, but first, if you have not done so already, make sure you like, follow, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, leave us a five-star review. Positive comment goes a long way. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. For those of you that have done that, you've noticed uh, we're dropping just short little segments from each of these podcasts where you might catch a um, eight-minute video or a 10-minute video clip of a specific topic. And we're trying to grow the podcast that way as well. And of course, if you want the full episode, you can continue to do so on any platform that has podcasts, Google, Apple, Spotify. Spotify, you name it, we're out there. So we appreciate your support. Uh, but Brant, I want to welcome you in first of all. How are you doing tonight? Doing fantastic, Dave. Uh, week zero was a lot of fun. Obviously, just a little bit of an appetizer before our main course this weekend. And um, what a slate it is. I like the slate this weekend, so should be a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I'm excited too. I, I want to quickly get your thoughts on two teams. Uh, let's go to week zero here for just a minute. Uh, we'll start with Notre Dame. So um, I know the, the the bets, we'll talk about that later. They weren't great, I'm aware. Um, but Notre Dame blew the uh, blew the top off of Navy. Navy looked really bad, by the way. Um, and coaching, all of it. it. It was just a it was a poorly played game. But Sam Hartman, transfer out of Wake Forest, looked great. Um, looked really good, actually. And so want to know your thoughts on Sam Hartman, Notre Dame, the outlook of their season. And really what I'm asking you is, do you see them now legitimately competing with Ohio State and beating them? Absolutely, Dave. I think that Sam Hartman has unlocked uh, a part of this offense Notre Dame hasn't seen, maybe since the likes of a Brady Quinn. Um, the guy can really sling it. And Dave, if you watch, he throws a really pretty ball, man. And um, he leads receivers. He's smart with it. He's even got some pocket awareness. Like you watch him move around in the pocket, evade defenders. I'm talking about a top three quarterback potentially in next year's draft. Definitely a top five quarterback in next year's NFL draft, I believe, Dave. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't think many can argue it right now. Definitely after what he did at Wake Forest. I mean, he's he's got over 100 touchdowns in his uh, college career. He's done just uh, a great job with Notre Dame so far this year, obviously. Uh, one game in. Um, but I, I thought the, the more impressive thing was Notre Dame kind of pushed Navy around. And I don't know if you know this or not, Dave. Uh, Kurt might know this, uh, friend of the podcast. But I doubt there's a lot of out-of-shape guys in the Navy, uh, even big boys to, to speak. I'm sure that most of the big guys that are in the Navy are pretty shredded. So um, I, I doubt they're very easy to push around. And, Dave, that's what they do, right? They run the triple option. They want to knock you off the line of scrimmage. And Nate, or Notre Dame didn't really fold to them, which I thought was 
kind of impressive. Um, so we've already seen kind of the toughness that Ohio State struggled against. Notre Dame went out and punched Navy right in the mouth, and Ohio State better have it together if they want to beat Notre Dame in South Bend. I am already looking forward to that Week 4 matchup, Dave. I am too, and for those of you that follow college football closely, Sam Hartman is not a new name to college football. He was a baller at Wake Forest, and uh, the question is, you know, if you if you move him to a big-time program, how does he perform? Well, he looked really good. Now, it was against Navy, but still, he looked really good. You're right, he throws a clean ball, and... He's going to give Notre Dame a chance, and they run the same kind of football that Ohio State does not like about Michigan, and that's tough, gritty football and beat you in the trenches, and they look tough, and they look good. So you can't take away too much from Week 0 football and when it's Notre Dame versus Navy, but I thought it was interesting and definitely worth talking about, to say the least, as in just a few weeks, they will take on the Buckeyes. So I'm excited about that. Brant, last team I just want to talk about real quick from Week 0 would have been USC, who did not cover, and um, they were one of my four college football playoff team predictions, and they did not look, it's interesting, like, you see the love that some teams get nationally, like, no matter what, like, I, I read a couple articles that were just clamoring over USC, Caleb Williams dominates the game. Um, USC shows why they're a contender this year. Like, I saw real articles that way, and I'm like, did you watch the same game? I mean, yeah, Caleb Williams threw a lot of touchdowns against San Jose State or whoever it was. That was to be expected. They also gave up, like, 28 points, which is hugely concerning, considering that the same issue last year was their defense, and they're giving up almost 30 points to a Bush league team. Um, I, if I'm personally concerned about USC as somebody who picked them, I mean, I don't have any money on them, but I picked them. I'm not super confident in them. I know it was week zero. Sure. Caleb Williams looked great. That offense is going to score a hundred points, but you're giving up almost 30 points to San Jose state. Yikes. Brant, your thoughts on that game. It was funny, Davis. I heard, I heard people actually say, San Jose State, pretty good. Actually, they can sling it around. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. I've got no interest in that. And that's that's copping out this defense. That is a terrible take. Don't don't tell me about San Jose State's roster. I don't care. Um, what I do care about is how bad that defense was. And no matter what, Dave, I'll just come out and say it right now. USC might still make the playoff. You might feel okay about that. They're not winning a playoff game. They're not winning a national championship with that defense. That's not happening. Um so as far as the USC train goes, that thing's got to go up to Oregon. And I talked about this even before week zero kicked off, Dave, was that was going to be a tough outing either way. It looks like it's going to be really tough now. Um, and enough of the other excuses I heard Dave was, um, well, they're, they're ripping through a lot of their too deep. They want to play as deep as they can. Well, then your no, one deep's no good and your two deep's no good. That's what I just found out um, because you guys got tore up pretty good by a pretty bad San Jose State team. Um, so those are my my quick thoughts on USC. And the other thing, Dave, is uh, when we talk to Pac-12, this thing is wide open still. And I think that's what comes to light in Week 0 already is anybody can win this Pac-12. I mean, there's like six teams out there that could end up stealing this thing, so... They could cannibalize each other, and they could all miss the playoff. 
I agree. Yeah, the Pac-12 is no joke this year, and we talked about it the last episode. Just the, I mean, you talk about Caleb Williams, just folks on the quarterback names. We talked about it last time. I mean, you got Bo Nix, you got Michael Penix Jr., you got Cam Rising. I mean, these are teams that, the Pac-12 is not going to be easy this year. They're about to implode and be donezo, right, after this. Um, they've got a nice, a, a, a nice group this year that's going to compete and they may all knock each other. I don't know if somebody's going to make the playoffs from the Pac-12. We shall see. But Brant, I quickly want to get your thoughts on another in-state program in Michigan State. Have you seen any news lately from Mel Tucker and this program and anything coming out that makes you question the direction of this program yeah i saw that mel tucker had an interview uh, with somebody from the lsj and he was kind of he didn't really beat around the bush about the nil situation right now and basically what he said was it's not good enough um and, and we need more money from donors and we need more people to be bought in and basically the guy from the lsj challenged him back and said well then win more games right now and you will get yourself more NIL money is the way that he had felt about it. And they kind of went back and forth on it. But overall, Mel Tucker hasn't given Michigan State fans anything outside of Kenneth Walker to really believe in yet so far, Dave. He was supposed to be a defensive guy. He's a defensive backs coach by nature. What has been their worst problem, Dave? Their secondary has been atrocious. Um, and on top of that, Mel, nobody wants to hear about how bad the NIL program is. Nobody wants to hear about that. They just want to see wins on the board. And when you're losing to the likes of Indiana, that's not a good look. You blow 21-point leads, 24-point leads, whatever it was against Indiana at homecoming or, you know, a home game either way, that's not a good look. And those are things that are program losses. Those are uh, shots across the bow towards the program. See, here's the thing, Brant. Mel, Mel Tucker is, he's at a critical juncture right now. They, and Michigan State is too. I don't know what they're going to do. I know people will joke about the $95 million contract and he's there for nine or 10 years or whatever. I don't know what that buyout even looks like, but they're kind of married to each other. And I don't know, truthfully, I, I really will wonder if they have another season like they did last year, where do you go from there? I mean, you would think the starting point is the, for him to clear house, and but he hasn't done that, even with his coaching staff. Now, he's made some changes here and there, but he has not done that. It was really the same fall as uh, Mark D'Antonio. Now, the difference is Mark D'Antonio was getting Michigan State to the college football playoff and was winning a lot before it ever got to that point. Mel Tucker hasn't made the changes. This is the same guy who, if you asked me three years ago, who would I rather be, be the coach of Michigan? I think I even sat on the podcast, like season one, who's the better coach right now? I think we both said it, Mel Tucker. Um, and how wrong were we, right? Um, it really comes out that that was the, the year of Kenneth Walker. I'm not saying that he can't get it right, that he can't turn this thing around. But what does turn it around look like now for Michigan State? I mean, are we talking going 7-5, and 8-4? and four? Is that the new standard again? I mean, 
This is a nightmare scenario for Michigan State fans. I'm not saying that to dog on Michigan State at all. I think most state fans would agree, like, the football program is a huge concern right now, and I don't know how it's going to get any better. I mean, they've got to come out and they've got to win not just the games against Indiana or but they've got a they've got a they need a statement game right now, whether that's beating Michigan or something like that to get some energy behind this program because right now they're really becoming the laughing stock of the Big Ten. And and Mel Tucker, who was the one touting the NIL and how Michigan State, I mean, he was bringing Ferraris onto the field. It was all swagged up to be a Michigan State Spartan. And then all of it, I mean, he was hyping, he was on the NIL train. And I remember thinking like, dude, can Michigan do something to embrace this? And then as time just kind of worked itself out, Come to find out, NIL is apparently a huge issue in East Lansing, according to Mel Tucker, um, which is not a great look right now when you can't win any football games and you got to start pointing fingers somewhere. You're going to want to start pointing fingers at yourself here pretty soon and make some significant changes. The, the thing I don't know is where do they go from here? Like if, if it's another horrible season, is there any scenario that they part ways with Mel Tucker? Yeah, I don't think they're going to be parting ways uh, anytime soon just because of the contract. I would say at least another two years. I would say if he goes 7-5 and five or worse this year, the seat gets pretty hot uh, going into next year. Um, but I've got to believe that fans are upset about the NIL situation and where that's headed right now. They don't want to hear the words NIL out of Mel Tucker's mouth. Not when, Dave, you, were, you, were, you hit the nail on the head when you said last year he was touting it. All of a sudden, he was sitting in four stars homes. He was in five star homes. He was in the South. He was doing. He was recruiting his butt off. Guess what, Dave? He didn't land hardly any of them. And um, I don't know if that's got to do with they're not doing pay for play. Whatever, it doesn't matter. You were in the homes of those kids, and you didn't land them. That's what it comes down to. And that's why state fans were so excited in the beginning, is because they landed a couple recruits right when he got there. Got some transfer portal kids in. Great. That's all good and well. But now that we've transitioned into 2023, his recruiting classes are still in the 30s. Like right now, I don't even know if they're in the 30s. That one might be in the 40s right now for 2024. Um, and that's not a, you're right. And that's not an NIL problem. You want to no. talk about are you landing a top 10, top 15 class, top 20? Sure. NIL, yes, it is absolutely a factor. His classes aren't even close to that right now. And I really wonder what the whole vibe and culture is like. I mean, we talk about that with Michigan, how they changed that in the last couple of years, the vibe, the culture of the program. I really wonder what it's like inside of that locker room because you saw it a couple of years ago. Players started transferring out like crazy, decommitting, all this stuff. And you're like, oh, this is interesting. But at that time, it was like, oh, he must have like another transfer portal class coming in, like loading, and these guys have been told, like, hey, dude, you're not going to cut it. And you're like, well, he's finding guys like Kenneth Walker. Like, he might just be building this thing the way he wants to do it. Well, no, come to find out, they all left, and it's been crickets. Nobody else is coming in. So this program is spiraling really fast, and they need to come out and have a really good start to this season. They really do, and it starts this Friday against uh, my alum, the Central Michigan University Chippewas, which I know we'll talk about in the in the bets here in a little bit. Yeah, fire up chips, Dave. Right, um, I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, but yeah. I think I think just to, to end on this note with uh, the Spartans, they have that game against Washington. That's going to be their entire season. Pretty much is in the crux of that game right there. 
Washington pretty much embarrassed you last year when you were sitting at, I don't know if it was number 10 or 11 in the country, but Michigan State was up there last year, and they traveled out to Washington, and it got absolutely slaughtered. Um, the final score was closer than that game actually was. That game was not very close. Um, but bringing them into East Lansing this year, you don't want to get embarrassed at home. You've got to find a way to, to muster out enough to win that game, I think, Dave, for fortunes to start churning uh, in Michigan State's favor. And uh, I'll go back to this point. The reason that I think he's so still okay in East Lansing right now, 2-1 and one against Michigan. And I know that doesn't sit well with Michigan fans because of the COVID year, yada, yada, yada. It doesn't matter. He's 2-1 and one against Michigan, and that's one of the reasons why he was so beloved uh, by Spartan fans. But here's the other thing. <laughs> you haven't had a game since Mel Tucker's been there that you've been in a game with Ohio State yet in the second half. Those games have been over by the second quarter, basically, every time you've laced them up against Ohio State. So um, while, yes, you've, you've stuck it to Michigan a little bit, you haven't even been in the ring, basically, with Ohio State for three quarters yet. So we'll see how it plays out for Mel Tucker this year. But that seat's going to get warm if he does not win over seven games. Completely agree. It's going to be very, very interesting. So, uh, Brant, before we get into the, the bets for the week, which I'm really excited about, we got a full slate to, to talk about. Um, of course, we've got to talk Michigan football and preview Michigan against East Carolina. So Michigan's rolling out, what, like 19 different head coaches here in the first four or three games of the season while Jim Harbaugh is suspended. Jesse Minter is going to get the first crack at it against East Carolina. Um I think most people expect this game to be a blowout. It should be. Um, but, Brant, what should we as Michigan fans be keeping our eye on? What do you think Jesse Minter as in that head coach spot looks like for this Michigan team? Um, what are you personally looking for this weekend against East Carolina? Dave, I'm actually looking forward to, um, you know, he's still going to call the defensive plays, so I don't think much changes from Jesse Minter's role. I mean, he's going to have some clock management things to do, stuff like that. Um, obviously, Harbaugh's still leading these guys day-to-day -day right now, and he's just going to be the Saturday game day guy, basically. And um, he'll probably start his career 1-0 is my guess, Dave. But outside of that, I think it's going to be status quo pretty much for uh, Jesse Minter as he goes along, calls his defensive game plan. Um, it's going to be interesting on the offensive side of the ball. No Sharon Moore. Um, Kirk Campbell is going to be calling the plays on the offensive side of the ball. And I believe – I got to believe like Kirk and JJ are just so tight that they're like, let's air this thing out a little bit. Let's, uh, let's, let's design some things. Hey, we've, we've got the reins a little bit this week. Let's show them what we got. Let's show them what we can do. Um, now I hope that doesn't lead to some sort of turnover disaster, obviously. Uh, but I, that's really what I'm looking forward to Dave is to see how Kirk Campbell kind of designs this offense. And hopefully you don't feel that, um, Harbaugh reign of, uh, we're gonna we're gonna pound it forty times uh, with uh, you know our backs, and we're gonna let Mullings get touches. You know we're gonna let the fourth the fourth string back get some totes, the fifth string back get some totes. That's what I'm hoping not to see, Dave. And I'm really hoping to see some uh, wide receiver uh, breakout play and uh, JJ kind of sling this thing around under Kurt Campbell's tutelage. Let's be very clear, though. Um, 
this Harbaugh's gonna. Ha- I mean, he's with them at practice all week. The game plan, in my opinion, I mean, maybe I'm I'm wrong here, but Harbaugh's gonna have his fingerprints all over the game plan. Um, and I, I think to a certain extent, may- maybe they try a couple of things that they wouldn't normally, but. For the most part, this is going to be par for the course in a Harbaugh-coached game. I'm expecting them to run the ball a ton. I'm hoping, like you, though, that they do air it out. Some They take some shots downfield, not to prove anything. We know J.J. can throw the football, right? Like we, we He proved that last year. He, he can throw the football. Um, I think what caught up with Michigan was a, a couple of things. Was when J.J. was forced to throw the football especially against TCU and like clutch moments or even early on in that game with the pick sixes is just getting enough reps to be honest with you. And so I, getting the chemistry early on, like I would love to see on Saturday, even if he just plays for the first half, like I'm assuming it's going to be a blowout, take a shot downfield or a few to Roman Wilson or Cornelius Johnson or Colson Loveland up the middle, 20 yard passes. Like, you should be able to connect on those. And if you're going to miss on them, miss on them now. And I think that's the biggest thing that gets Michigan. I can't say it has like faltered them. I mean, they've had two back-to-back outstanding seasons. They came up short in the college football playoff. Like, yes, that sucks. But let's also keep that in perspective. We've had two really, really good seasons. And what they've been doing has obviously been working. However, I think what we've all been asking for is let's sprinkle that in throughout the year so we're not trying to build chemistry against Ohio State or against Penn State towards the end of the year. Like, I would love to see, really one thing that I want to see, Brant, is who's going to step up out of this wide receiver room. They need somebody. Um, You know you've got Roman Wilson and you know you've got Cornelius Johnson. I want to see who wide receiver three is. I want to know, and I want to know who who the new Ronnie Bell is. I know we've talked Tyler Morris. Is it him? I don't know. But replacing number eight from last year, that's a those are big shoes to fill. Like, say what you will about Ronnie Bell, he may not be the flashiest player out there. He was a safety blanket wide receiver. I I need to know who that person is. Maybe I don't find it out against East Carolina, but the wide receiver room, that's something that I think we do get some insight in, even this weekend, hopefully, to see who is going to step up. Is there a Darius Clemens back there? Is it um, Peyton O'Leary? Like, I, I don't know, but I'm really curious to see that. Brant, the running game, you know you got Donovan Evers and Blake Corum. I don't need to see them a ton. I think you're probably going to see a couple 30, 40-yard runs. Like I, I'm expecting both of them to show out early. I don't need to see them play a lot, especially seeing Blake get hurt last year. Like I, I, I'm good. They don't need to run it more than 10 times each. Um, I, but I'm excited to see the depth behind them, right? Like I, I'm excited for that stuff. Um, the offensive line depth, like that's the heart and soul of this team. They're so deep there. I think that is just going to continue to carry them in, in every game. On the defensive side of the ball, um, I'm curious, like, is Will Johnson healthy? Do we know that? Like, no, I, he's, I, they say that he's going to probably miss week one. Yeah, I don't, I don't love that. I, I don't love that. That's your number one cornerback, um, and I... It just gives me vibes of you heard last year Nakai Hill Green was hurt, and you're like, oh, he's just going to miss a week. And then it was two weeks. Then it was four weeks. And then I was like, we just never saw him that year. I'm not seeing that's what's going to happen with Will Johnson, but Will Johnson hasn't played football. If that's the case, if he's not playing week one, 
he didn't play in the spring game. I mean, he was like in a boot. So like he that concerns me a little bit. So in the cornerback position, I think you're going to see a lot of Josh Wallace, right? The transfer from Massachusetts. I'm excited to 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 see him. I really want to see a Marion Walker get some reps, even if he makes mistakes. Learn now. Like this is this is like your preseason, right? These next few weeks. So learn now. I want to see him get reps, and um, I want to see these new guys, these new faces too. Like we know Mason Graham's going to ball out. Chris Jenkins, these guys, like Braden McGregor, Derek Moore, like the names go on and on. But I want to see Junior Colson, right? But I want to see um, Josiah Stewart, right? I want to see Ernest Hausman, the new linebacker from Nebraska. Like I'm just excited to see some of these new guys come in and do their thing um, and, and see who's behind them as well. So I don't think that we're going to walk away and be recording this next week and have a ton of new information on this Michigan team, but there's enough to look at and keep an eye on that you want to be tuned in as a fan throughout this whole game for a lot of different reasons. So, um, Brent, any other thoughts on Michigan here before we get into the betting segment? No, I think uh, I think you pretty much nailed it. Who is that wide receiver number three? I am very interested in, in finding that answer. Um, whether that be a Christian Dixon, um, like you said, Peyton O'Leary. And we get these reports, and this is what I hate about college football. And I think they just changed this as the Big Ten goes. Their <laughs> injury availability reports are garbage. They don't mean anything. They're not real. They're Fugazi, Fugazi, whatever. Like, they, they're not real. So, um, I think the Big Ten changed it this year where, like, you have to release who is injured the day of, like, the morning of, just to, like, see who's available and who's not. Uh, and you have to give them a designation, whether it's doubtful or probable or whatever. You have to give them a designation. Um, so, anyway, uh, that's a whole thing. So, when, because Hardball will say this all the time. Well, we got to, you know, Will Johnson's working through something. Well, you know, so-and-so, is wor- he's working through it. He's working through something. Well, what does that mean? I, I don't even, I guess I guess we shouldn't even bother with it because he'll never tell us the truth on it. But um, I, I just am so curious that it's got me thinking, like, 30% of this team is injured, Dave. That's where I'm at with it right now. And that, that does give me a little bit of bad vibes, um, especially if – you started to get in the game, and then all of a sudden you lose a couple guys. It's like, all right, we're really testing our depth here. And, um, you know, that could be not good in a week one situation. So um, I'm interested to see how deep this team is and the depth overall as well, Dave. So glad you're here yeah. on that. Yep, absolutely. Um, Brant, let's get into the betting segment here. Okay. Um, last week, Dave, let's just recap last week. We were close, man. We were right there. <laughs> um, Hawaii kind of backdoored us a little bit. You know, Vandy, they had them early, and they kind of let them off the hook. Who knew the Rainbow Warriors were going to be such a tough team this year? Uh, but they stuck up to an SEC's team, and they looked pretty good. So we missed on the Vandy pick. We also did blow it on the uh, USC cover where we've already talked about the defense. We know it was bad. And the lock of the week also got thrown in there because I had the 16-and-a-half spread in the first half, and they give up a third and 22, 
which when you're gambling like this, like you just can't foresee USC giving up a third and 22 to San Jose State to extend a drive to cut it to seven before halftime, and USC puts in another touchdown. So we missed that one by two points. Um, so just kind of a disappointing start to the season, but one for three, 33%. We're doing okay. We're about to get back on the wagon this week. Um, all right, Dave. So let's start it with the Friday night game. Uh, East Lansing, under the lights. Uh, CMU's welcome it into town. Shout out to my brother-in-law, Kyron. He is on the athletic training staff for the CMU Chips. He will be that guy that is awkwardly squirting water into someone's helmet face mask situation. You know how you see that all the time, Dave? It's like, yeah, just just hit me with some bro, and I hope he doesn't spray it in someone's eyes. That's all I hope for him. Uh, but, yeah, he will be on the sidelines for that one. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. So, uh, Spartans favored by 14 and a half. Let's start there, Dave. Who you, who you like? Fire up chips, man. I just 14 and a half points. Brant, let me just take you back to a to a day back in gosh, I don't remember if it was 2008 or 2009. 2009. It was 2009. And I rushed the streets of East Lansing as a Central Michigan Chippewa as they took down Michigan State in a last minute just amazing amazing finish to a game. Brant, I'll tell you right now. Central's talking about winning this game. And 14 and a half points, give me plus 14 and a half. I'm flirting with the money line. I think the Chippewas are going to bring something special there. And I don't know if they win. I don't know if they win. But um, I've got a lot more confidence in a feisty Central team than I do in Mel Tucker's Michigan State squad and a quarterback that I don't know who it is yet. Is it Noah Kim? Is it that kid behind him? I, I don't know. So give me... CMU, fire up chips, 14 and a half points. Who do you got? Dave, I'm rolling with the Spartans. Uh, I just, I, I don't trust CMU. I watched them play a couple times last year. I, they're not what they used to be, I feel like. Uh, the program is decent, but they're not the top of the Mac like they have been in years past. So uh, I think the Spartans will be good enough to cover the 14 and a half. I'd like them to win by the likes of... 15 to 17. Let's put it that way. Brant, Brant, I heard a stat this morning on the radio that for the last 16 years in a row, a MAC team has beaten a Big Ten team. I'll leave it at that. All right, Dave. Well, thank you for that informative stat. Um, yeah, Spartan fans, be weary. Be very weary of those chips coming into town. Um, all right, let's move on. East Carolina at Michigan, uh, 35-and-a-half points for the Wolverines that they're giving to the Pirates. What do you like here, Dave? That's a lot of points. Um, that's winning by more than five touchdowns. I'll take Michigan, though. I, I just don't see ECU really scoring on Michigan, and I see Michigan scoring more than 40 points. So, on that premise alone, I'll take Michigan to cover 35 and a half. What do you got? I'll take the same. I don't believe that it's by much. I think it could it, it could just barely scrape over the 35 and a half, but I see Michigan also covering this number. I think that Michigan's depth will play a factor in the second half, and they'll just shut ECU down. ECU coming out with a new quarterback. 
they've got uh, new offensive play callers. They they have a new coach. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they how they play. So um, I do like Michigan to cover there. Um, moving on to the afternoon game, Dave. Colorado at TCU. This is one of my favorites because <laughs> while I'm a glutton, for, I, I must be have like this this affinity for punishment because we don't know what these teams are going to be. Max Duggan, gone. Quentin Johnson, gone from this TCU team. Uh, Kendra Miller, gone from this TCU team. A boatload of defenders, gone. Um, and, and what is Colorado, Dave? 80 new players? <laughs> like, I'm just going to ask you, does TCU cover the 20 and a half at home? I think they do. I, I think that um... – Colorado's got all sorts of hype right now. You got Coach Prime in there. I mean, Travis Hunter. Like, you know these guys and, like, the big names. And he's building this thing from the bottom up. Literally, though, from the bottom. I mean, Colorado was horrible. They have been horrible. So, yes, it's a whole new team. It's a whole new culture. All the all of the stuff. I just think this continues to beat the narrative, though, that, like, TCU just doesn't get the respect. Like, we know what they did last year. TCU's been good for years. Um, I respect Sonny Dykes. He is one one my I know they don't have Garrett Riley anymore. He's obviously over at Clemson, but um losing that OC hurt. I just I don't even know who's playing quarterback for TCU. I know Max Duggan is gone. Obviously, Quentin Johnson is gone. I just think that what Sonny Dykes has built over there is something special, and I think that they cover. It may not be by much. It may be by 21 points, but I will take them to cover 20 and a half. What about you? Dave, I'm rolling with Prime. I would like to <laughs> I would like to just say that I trust that Shadur Sanders can keep this close enough and that offensive rhythm, like they, they can get some stuff going. Uh, to stay with TCU a little bit. That's lost a lot on the defensive end uh, of things. So I will take Colorado with the 20.5 points. Okay, Dave. Uh, Ohio State, who actually named a quarterback today. They actually named a starting quarterback. I don't know if you saw that, but you're shaking your head yes. So I'm assuming you know Kyle McCord is the starter for now. Um, Don't let things get hairy because Devin Brown's had a great camp as well, and we all know that he's the true dual threat. So um, we'll see how it works for Kyle McCord in the first half. But they are favored by 29.5 points at the Indiana Hoosiers. Going to Bloomington, never an easy place to play, Dave. Indiana's horrible. Um, They they lost their quarterback. They lost – AJ Barner, um, I believe they're they're both captains too. By the way, who are now playing for for Michigan, um, I, I mean, I hate picking Ohio State anytime, but let let's just be honest. Ohio State's going to come out and they're going to roll. They've heard the talk, they've heard the chatter, they know what Michigan fans are saying. They've heard the laughter about the QB competition. Is it Kyle McCord or Devin Brown? Surprise, I Brand, I don't think it matters. I think that. Truthfully, I almost see this right now, and maybe Kyle McCord is going to just be a great, like, the next great Ohio State quarterback. In my head, I feel like that guy is actually Devin Brown. I almost see this being teed up like a Cade McNamara, J.J. McCarthy type of thing, where they're both going to get playing time. He's going to come out and give it to Kyle McCord to start the game because he's earned it. But Devin Brown's going to get his chance to play, too. And I think he's going to be the more electric quarterback with his legs. Um, I'm not going to call him Justin Fields-esque because that's not fair. But I just think that 
he's the one who ultimately ends up with the keys to this offense. Just my prediction. Don't know anything um, outside of my own thoughts, but that's what I think is going to happen. And Brant, whoever is quarterback, it doesn't matter because they're playing with two of the best receivers in the country in Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka, and they've got like two or three more five-star kids ready to play right behind them. They're absolutely loaded. Caden Stover's back. Travion Henderson back. Maya Williams back. Like, that offense is, is loaded. Now, I still don't know if they can beat a team like Michigan in the trenches. I know I'm rambling here. Like, I'm just <laughs> – I I think from just the skill positions alone, Ohio State's going to Ohio State, and they are gonna t- they're going to blow the top off Indiana. I don't think it's close. I will take the Buckeyes. You. I'm, I'm right there with you, and – I'm actually going to cite the opposite. I'll cite their defense, the Jack Sawyers, the JTTs, uh, you know, their secondary supposedly much improved, um, but their defensive line is disgustingly nasty. Uh, That's something that we'll get into later in the season. But uh, you've touched on the skill positions. No need for me to touch on it. However, I don't think they score as much as maybe Ohio State fans would love to see. I don't think this thing gets into the 50s like they have in the past on Indiana. I think this settles into somewhere in the 30-40s range, but I don't think they give up very many points at all to Indiana. Indiana has like two redshirt freshmen that are fighting for this position. I think they did actually name one of them the starter, but redshirt freshmen against this defense is not going to fare well, especially when you play for the likes of Indiana. So I will take Ohio State to cover the 29-and-a-half. Um, actually looks kind of low to me, if I'm just being honest. I don't know. So um, give me Ohio State. And then game of the weekend, Dave. LSU, Brian Kelly's Tigers playing at Florida State. Well, not at Florida State, at Orlando. But um, Florida State getting two and a half. So LSU favored by two and a half. Who do you like here, Dave? I can't wait for this game. I, I should start there and say, like, this is easily the game of the week. Yes, it's a top 10 matchup. LSU surprised people last year in Brian Kelly's first year. Florida State's got, like, the hype train this year that they're it. They're the team. They're going to win the ACC. I love this matchup. Um, I'm personally going LSU here. Um, I just think they're more ready um, than Florida State. I'm not quite there with Florida State yet. May, to be honest with you, though, if Florida State comes out and wins this game, A, I'm not going to be surprised, and B, I'm going to be bought into Florida State this year. So that, that's kind of where I'm at with it. It's it's going to be a prove me wrong, um, and I won't be surprised if they do prove me wrong. But right now, I'll take LSU, Brian Kelly, Jane Daniels. I'll take what they got coming back and take them to cover two and a half points. What about you? Dave, sometimes it's not what you know. It is how the lines are set. And when it becomes down to an even match like this, you kind of look at it and say, who can I get the points with? Okay, I can get two and a half with Florida State. Okay, I'll ride with them then because I've got the cushion there. I do like the two and a half for Florida State. It is in the home state of Florida in Orlando. So for those reasons, I will ride with Florida State. Not to mention, I know camps are always overblown, whatever. But the receiver core for Florida State is just getting a ton of love. Um, So... I think they're going to be throwing that thing around. And, um, you know, I like uh, Florida State's quarterback a lot, too. Uh, so, all right, Dave, that does it for the betting segment. We got five picks on the board this week. And to go with the five picks, we got five straight days of college football starting Thursday, going all the way through Monday. It's going to be an amazing weekend. So, lock yourself in on Labor Day weekend to watch some college football. 
And when I say lock it in, I mean lock it in with this lock of the week, Dave. We're rolling with Rutgers football. They're taking on Northwestern. Northwestern is what I would call right now in shambles. They're in a really bad way. I don't think you could have played a better drop. That is the perfect drop for Northwestern right now. Mass exodus. Pat Fitzgerald is literally coaching on high school sidelines as like an assistant right now. Um, Rutgers, while while they're Rutgers, I mean, the Greg Schiano, I trust them a lot more. They're at home. They should be able to clear the six and a half. Please clear the six and a half. <laughs> Dave, thoughts on that? Don't you ever bring me a bet or lock of the week that is a Northwestern and Rutgers bet ever, ever again. I don't know, dude. Sure. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Rutgers cover six and a half. Let's go. Oh, all right, man. Great as always. Um, if you have not done so already, make sure you like, follow, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Positive comment goes a long way. Make sure you subscribe to that YouTube channel as well. Um, catch a, a shorter video segment here from the uh, podcast. But we appreciate your support as always and cannot wait to be back next week as we recap week one of the college football season and prep for the kickoff of Lions vs. Chiefs for the NFL season. So until next time, we are out of here. Go Blue! Powered by Riverside.